Ladies and gentlemen, coming up on another episode of the Bigfooty Podcast, Seppo returns from his sojourns and tells us all about the misfortunes that have befallen Fremantle. Messenger and Seppo discuss the merits of the red card system. We look at the Indigenous round jumpers and the round ahead. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. The prodigal son returns tonight uh, from his sojourns and he's uh, uh, been in witness protection for some time for various reasons which will rapidly become apparent to us. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back a man who has not been seen since before the preliminary final. Uh, Seppo, welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back. It's uh, good to be back from my sabbatical and... uh, Two months on holidays, I think I've just taken the team with me and um, decided to slowly release them back at, at stages. And, and hopefully uh, my return to the podcast signifies a return to the, the rightful Fremantle Football Club ways back in the AFL. And also joining us, a man who has been eagerly awaiting this moment for some weeks. Uh, a man who uh, is irrepressible at the best of times, but uh, is probably going to be off the leash tonight with Seppo back. Messenger, good evening. I missed you, Seppo. I missed you so much. <laughs> and, and I uh, wanted to review the prelim final and, and you were gone. <laughs> All that you left was a note. A note on... And, and I can't read the note because that would be mean, but let's just say there was a certain umpire that you were unhappy with. Yeah. I didn't realise his first name started with F. Uh, I, of course... <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, am the Wookiee and... Uh, there's a lot to come tonight. Uh, Frio being naught nine, we're going to look at the AFL's Indigenous jumpers. Uh, Messenger and Seppo are going to debate the merits of the red card, and uh, much, much, much more. So let's get straight into it, guys. Your highlights from the weekend, Messenger. I didn't have a highlight after Friday night. I got very sad. Um, no, buddy, 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 kicking I... long range goals didn't really. Uh, no, it really didn't do it for me like it used to. No, not at all. No. Um, I must say, I wasn't that good around, was it? I tried I tried to get into a couple of games, but nothing really grabbed my attention. The, the crowd applauding uh, Jared Rufford like he was already dead didn't really get you a... Oh, that, <laughs> that, that, that is, that's the worst thing I've heard since Bob Murphy died. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you'll be asking yourself, where were you when the crowd applauded for Jared Roughhead? I'll tell you where I was. I was on my couch. <laughs> you were on your feet with a tear in your eye, hand no, over on, your heart. I was on my couch. I was actually watching, after the first 10 minutes, I thought, oh, sod this. I watched a documentary about wine. <laughs> <laughs> you think it was a really odd gesture, though, that the... I suppose the the Hawks club came out and said, oh, you know, we, we don't want to focus too much on Ruffy, you know, let him be at the... The whole supporters made a big point at the you know second quarter at the two minute mark. They were going to applause like it was some. I suppose it's other traditions and games they've done that. I can think to probably one of Ibrahimovic for Paris Saint Germain or something like that. They applauded him and. But you know what? Look, he's a he is a he is a really well respected 
guy at the club. Um, he's 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 been a a key part of the club for a long time, and and I think you know as we talked about last week, he's got a really really serious illness. He's 29 years old, and and I and I think people really that really affects some people, and it really. Mm. You know, makes you question your own mortality in some respects. So, at no stage um, am I saying that uh, he's not worthy of respect, and we no, abs- no, 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 we I absolutely well, look, support we can... his uh, his uh, struggle with this. Um, as I'm sure many of us have had people that have been touched by similar illnesses over the years, but I, I just find it curious that we're already carrying on like he's dead in a way. Well, I think there's, I, I think there's always like when, when you talk about things like this in sort of the football media, I think there's always a danger you could wallow in it. Yeah. And, and, and to me, Murphy's knee injury was an example. Well, yeah. That's why I well, said that's what that. I was getting towards. Because, yeah, he was... They, they wallowed in it. I mean, the man did his ACL and it's terribly sad, but he's not the first guy who's done his ACL and he certainly won't be the last. I mean, Roughhead's situation is far more serious mm. and I think the club's attitude has been you know, yes, we want to talk about it, yes, we want to put it out in the open, but now we're going to get on with it, and he's going to get on with he, what he needs to do, and we're going to do everything in private. Because frankly, you know, you can't fight an illness like this in public, really, can you? So, you and know, you can I, see I think, it was just the public's reaction. They wanted to do something to support him, and that's yeah, that's probably all they could come that's up right. with, other than yeah. you know, support Ruffy on a lot of the banners. I think a lot of other clubs even sort of mentioned it. You know, getting behind Ruff. I think the um, GWS and I think Saints or someone else all had it on their banners. I think I think the reaction has been, I think the reaction from the other clubs has been really admirable, and I think and and from supporters and you know all across Big Footy as well. But I think there's a point at which you say, yes, we've reached out to him, and yes, we've you know, you know, we hope you do well, and we're right behind you. But you've got to get on with your life, and we've got to get on with ours. Yeah, And, and I think, and that's just you know, it, it's that's just the way life is. So um, and and again, yeah. I, I stress, I'm not having a go at. I know all not, the sentiment. No. It was just the whole sense of occasion that went with it was kind yeah. of just odd in a way for me. I um, think if you do it for one week, it's fine. I think if you if you do it every week, it's a problem because yeah, yeah. then you know it becomes you know it becomes too central. Mm-hmm. Seppo, um, I know you don't have a lot to celebrate, but um, <laughs> no, but I did manage to catch sort of about three or four and a half games of footy on the weekend. One being my own. Uh, Oh, pantsing in the wet to the uh, Tigers. We um, we put out much resistance up as a uh, wetless leaf at some times, and Tigers just probably really had momentum with one quarter of cyclonic conditions over in the West. I'm not sure if you guys saw footage of the game, but there was... I did, yeah. Uh, yeah it was, it was I've pretty awful. I've heard stories of sections of the stadium sort of swinging around loose, and there's footage of the goalposts sort of swinging back and forward. It was just probably some of the worst weather I've seen footy being played in for the last couple of years. And it's sort of Frio's luck at the moment. There was a strong wind that was going to the left of screen and the Tigers made most of it in one quarter. And when we had it in the third, the wind died down and it wasn't <laughs> wasn't there. So it was, yeah, just luck not going our way. So that wasn't exactly a highlight for me. But I think one of the highlights was is that GWS... Oh, it all depends if you for them or against them, but they're actually showing that they could be a you know premiership contender. They're not pretending, you know, they come up against the the Bulldogs and and beat them. And to tell you what, watching that midfield is a real highlight. And it's unfair that they've got all these quality players, but geez, it's good to watch if you're not the opposition team coming up against them. It's and and yeah, I think we we talked about you know 
the preview for Bulldogs and GWS and joked that it was probably the 2018 grand final preview because it feels a bit like that and they and they look really good now whether they all develop up to that next level is unknown but yeah just Seppo I just don't know if you've been on Bay 13 recently but um uh, on the bay, they've they've got a, a very uh, altruistic and caring side, and, and they've adopted a child uh, as a group. Uh, his name's Owen, yeah, and, yes. and they're hoping that, that Owen will turn um, ten this weekend. At the mm. moment, he's uh, Owen nine, and uh, let's see if he'll turn Owen ten. Yeah. Well, so, he's also got a cousin called Norton. Nor- Norton nine, yes. Norton nine, Norton, Norton ten, nine. Yeah. So. You know, there's, they're obviously hoping that young Owen will grow and reach double figures this weekend. That mm. yeah, might rather be call up for the round, though. Um, it's probably Collingwood just putting Geelong back in their spot. I think Geelong were probably getting a bit too cocky and everyone's fapping over Dangerfield and just getting too <coughs> excited. And I think it was nice that Collingwood just suddenly, you know, after a lot of pressure on Parks, probably got a, a good result. And I watched that game, and I'll tell you what, they actually looked... Good moving for the midfield. I don't know what's up with Geelong. They just sort of had a bit of a, a form slump, but it's good to see. Oh, they get, nice they get little upset go on. Little bump in the road. Little mm. bump in the road for Geelong. I, I actually think Geelong are very good, and I think they'll finish top four. Just, not, I, just mm. on GWS, guys, are there crowds of concern at the moment? Yeah, Every, everyone 8, else seems to think that, that they them? are. They, they, they had a crowd of just over 9,000 there on the weekend. Well, now, do you reckon well, that 1,000 of that is some dude employed to stand at the gates and scan through tickets? The, the AFL has very strict guidelines on how they count uh, people, which they're enforcing at Adelaide Oval at the moment, because Adelaide Oval have been just counting all their staff. And uh, Well, Adelaide Oval, I mean, I think that the game was up at Adelaide Oval when they had a, a reported a crowd of 275,000 the other day. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I, can I, Wookie? Can I create uh, do the cardinal sin of, of answering? Can I answer a question with a question? Yes. In thirty years, how many times have the Swans actually made a profit of, of their own accord? Of their own accord. Oh, they're getting. They're pretty close to it now. Without when you factor in the fact that all clubs get a distribution, I, sure. I, I think they've probably been profitable the last couple of years. Okay, so you're talking about a club that's been in Sydney for 35 years. Yeah, they've been bankrupt three times. They've been bankrupt three times. They've played finals pretty much every year for the last decade. Yeah. They play in the middle of Sydney, and they are barely break-even proposition. Yeah. So what? So I guess my thing is, if you're going to set up in basically soccer-slash-rugby-league heartland, it's not reasonable to expect them to have a, have a really big foothold yet. No. I mean, they they are a they are a generational a generational um, proposition right now. It's worth noting that crowds of you know eight to nine thousand aren't unusual in rugby league circles in <clears> Sydney, <throat> and this is a sport they actually like up there. So it's uh, I, I think you've got to look at it through the prism of Sydney sporting attendances as well, uh, and that. It's not uh, they don't have the same culture of attending the game, nor do they have the same culture of membership. That's it. So I mean, you know, I remember watching a banner where the Canterbury Bulldogs, who were one of the top four teams, and they were crowing that they had ten thousand members. You know, in 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 a time at a time where AFL clubs regularly had thirty and forty thousand members, like membership just isn't as a bigger concept in Sydney. And um, I don't know, I. 
they're going to be something that the AFL sink money into for a generation. And they're just going to have to prop them up if they're getting, you know, when they're running running hot in form, getting eight thousand to a home game against. Well, Bulldogs aren't exactly a, a big drawing crowd, <clears> probably <throat> in a New South Wales state. But I, I don't even know what the numbers they're getting for uh, Sydney Battle of the Bridge or whatever they call it. Sydney and Sydney clubs. I, like I, think I think they'll be a lot different for the next game. I'm still not sure it's worth having a final, a home final for GWS at ANZ Stadium. But uh, well, no, you play. I think they should play it at um, Spotless. Yeah, yeah. They should. at they least should. at least it'll be a safe surface. Mm, and they, this, <laughs> I guess, this would be the way of financially thinking about it. Mm. Is if you say, okay, what are we ploughing into GWS, or what's their net loss? and say, well, what is the net gain in television revenue we have from having a game in Sydney every weekend as opposed to not? What's the difference? Yeah. And if you're, yeah, so if you're saying that Sydney, we get X million dollars more out of the TV deal because we have to get a game in Sydney every weekend as opposed to not, that's... That's, 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 that's got to be a factor, that's, yeah. Well, that has to be. I mean, it's the only justification for it, isn't it, really? Well, it was all why... sold on the basis of an extra game. Now, whether that extra game has to be in Sydney or not... <clears throat> well, or yeah. in the New South Wales television market, I guess yeah, would be it's, the it's, point. it's got to be in a metro market somewhere where it matters, which unfortunately rules out Tasmania and all those people are angling for that because Tasmania is strictly a regional market, so... It's, yeah. it's Yeah, it's all, it's all fun and games. We'll move on to my highlight. Um, oh God! That's right. Um, look, I don't have any one particular player or event that I want to highlight. I want to highlight a group of players, and that is I want to I want to talk about international footballers for a minute. Oh, um, we've in the, in the last couple of weeks we've had Mason Cox. He's he the, the US guy, the, the basketballer that they pulled over uh, at Collingwood, and he is he is uh, he is going. Well, fair to say he's going nuts at the moment down there. He's already had a running bounce. Yeah. And <laughs> Not he, many other international players could probably I think he kicked the winning that. goal against somebody. I mean, he's he is having the time of his life down there. Um, on the weekend, Kieran Byrne at Carlton, um, he he was uh, he was a rock across half-back for us, even though we got creamed by North Melbourne. It wasn't our defence's fault. Um, it was very much... Uh, also... Um, uh, Matt Korchek in the Carlton Reserves is reportedly uh, doing really well. Guys like Jason Holmes at St Kilda, uh, and, you know, and and the old hands, Pierce Hanley at Brisbane, Zach Tui at Carlton, um, and I'm sure there are others who are who are having a great time. But it, we are we are embarking on an exciting period for international football, especially from the United States. I think we're going to see more and more. Of those basketball types uh, come over as we start looking for more and more competitive ruckman. I think, especially with how Cox is going at the moment, and uh, to a lesser extent, Holmes and and others. So, I, I just I thought I thought it was uh, you know between the Irish and the Americans, we're almost ready to put out together a world team messenger. Well, we're still we, we've still got Kurt Heatherly sitting there playing for Box Hill. He can't be. Too far away. Uh, I reckon he'll get a senior game this year. Uh, he's, a, he's the guy who came from the international rookie list. He's a New Zealander. And um, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for Kurt. Yeah. It's a pity Shem Tatapu went home, didn't he? He went off to play rugby union, I think. Uh, I think he's actually got a contract with Melbourne Storm. Mm. Yeah. 
Yes. But I mean, there, I there's there's other guys as well still roaming around uh, the O'Hal. Free, I've got Sean Hurley that was yep. playing fantastically um, for the reserves last year, and unfortunately done his hip, and he's only well, I think three or four weeks away from getting back. But he was looking really good, and probably you know looking to probably get a game towards the end of this year. So um, yeah, be great if you can get some of those Irish. <laughs> Hawthorne have. Um... Connor Glass yeah. arriving back in the country in a couple of months. He's finishing his schooling in Ireland, and then he's coming back out to join the club. Uh, and I mean, he's he's still a project. I don't think we would see him even next year, perhaps. But they very, very, um, very, very confident about his ability as well. So yeah. there's a number, there's a number of guys still roaming around uh, state competitions and country competitions as well. Uh, the O'Halpins are still playing out at Albury, I believe. Satanta kicked like 120 goals or something in the, for Albury last year. <laughs> How many Gooches did he kick? I don't know, but we probably could have used a goal kicker at Carlton this year. So, yes. Um, you know, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm in two minds about that. But uh, and, and there's um I can't remember his name, but there's a New Zealand guy who plays for Frankston in the VFL, I think. Although he might have moved on to a different club now. Um, so there's, there's there's players all over the place. I I, I just think the international the, the concept of bringing international talent here um, seems to be working uh, perhaps at a greater rate than it has been in the past. And maybe these international combines in the US aren't as ridiculous as people thought they were initially. Tonight on uh, the Big Footy Podcast, we are pleased to introduce what is probably our first debate ever in a formal setting. Uh, we're going to talk about red cards, and this is, of course, prompted by the Tom Jonas incident uh, on the weekend where he got six weeks for striking uh, Andrew Gaff, and will probably get booed for the rest of his life whenever he goes to Perth. But um, So tonight we've got uh, Seppo and Messenger are going to take opposite sides of this as we ask, uh, should we have red cards? And we're going to start with the affirmative, and I think that's Messenger. The answer is very straightforward. What you want to provide is an instant disincentive to commit violent acts on the field. You don't want to have a consequence-free environment for the player where they say, you know what, I'll take my weeks if we win this game because they know they can go out there, they can belt someone and stay on the field. You want to make sure that the coach and they enforce a much stricter line on violence with these guys by saying... Listen, you're going to hurt the whole team if you do something stupid. And I think that's got to be the attitude. And then you won't see things like Alistair Lynch carrying on like a pork chop in the 2004 grand final and any of those sort of other acts. I think you need to do it, Seppo. Why can't we have red cards, Seppo? Well, I think the uh, current system we've got set up, the way the... uh, Even though I do disagree with them most of the time the uh the tribunal and the mrp seem to hand down well fairly inconsistent but sanctions enough to discourage violent acts on the field and ones that people in this knee-jerk reaction after one incident where jonas probably has come in a bit late for andrew gaff and i don't know what his argument was the reason why he did but i think when you're you've got the ability to rule someone out of the game um, and based on the severity of the incident, I think you're leaving too much in uh, someone's hand to make a decision that could really affect 
um, the team's performance. And you'll start to, if you think about what it's like in soccer now with yellow and red cards and people diving, I think it would just, you know, Lindsay Thomas will just lap up at the opportunity if someone goes near him to try and give out a, a you know a yellow or red card to the opposition. It's just, it's probably uh, opening the door to too much um, sort of flirting with the bending the rules and and really making it hard for the umpires. And they have enough time getting it right after uh, you know reviewing all the footage and the incidences on a Monday and Tuesday and going through the findings. I think it's too much to put it in someone's. You know, if they make a wrong decision and, and then they realise looking at the footage that they've, you know, sent someone off or disadvantaged a team by thinking it was a, you know, a dog act or something that's, you know, not that bad, it's it's probably really hard. And I think it's very rare that you do see someone have, well, such a brain fade um, on a day and, you know, missing six, six, seven weeks can impact that player now, um, you know, with, you know, loss of, uh, you know, the game time and financials. So I think there's enough at the moment, that would discourage players. Yeah, but Seppo, if if he's he's dis, if the club's team's disadvantaged, so what? He's disadvantaged his the opponents by injuring one of their players. Why not say, hey, listen, it's good enough for you to hit that bloke and him not to be able to perform at his best or not play at all. You can take a seat as well, and then and then it's fair. This isn't something that's gonna. This isn't something that's gonna happen every week. But this is something that, for the most egregious cases, the team should have some sort of instant penalty opposed on them. So they have to run one short. Tough. That, you are know, you an advocate of a, like a yellow card or a sin bin system? No, no, or no. Or no, a no, straight no. red for anything severe and that's I it. just think if it's that severe, and, and how many incidents do we see like that in a season? What, maybe half a dozen, if we're lucky, if we're unlucky, I should say. You probably have to go back just... to, was it Conker that... Knocked someone in the back of the head from behind. Well, that's right. I mean, for something you, like that where it's egregious and deliberate, I think you've got to be able to say, get off. I wouldn't even say yellow cards. I would forget the whole yellow-red card. I would just simply say, if you do something that's that violent and that uncalled for, you're off. Goodbye. Well, there you have. You've, had the, you've heard the arguments from both sides. Feel free to let us know what you think of uh, either Messenger or Seppo's arguments in the uh, podcast thread and uh, we will have a look at those results next week. Guys, Indigenous Round is upon us. The newly named Sir Douglas Nichols Round is here. Uh, we've had a chance to have a look at the jumpers. The jumpers were posted uh, to the rarely visited Big Footy front page today. Don't underplay the Big Footy front page, Wookie. Come on. No, I'm not underplaying it. I'm just repeating uh, things. I, no one ever visits it. So, But it is worth a visit. It's uh, been newly redone. And it's all it's all uh, it's all flash now. So, che- che- cheers to Chief. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> so, guys, uh, you've had a look at the jumpers. Who's who, who, who's got the best jumper there? Do you reckon? You know what? I'll start. I actually think this is as a collection of indigenous jumpers. They're getting better and better at their mm. designs. And our big ticks to Adelaide, Brisbane. We can go through them, but. I think Adelaide and Brisbane are fantastic. Uh, Geelong have done an immensely good job. And I think... And Richmond, I must say, I enjoy what Richmond have done. If I had... The only team I would give a um, question mark would be my own Hawks. I'm not entirely um, on board with that design. 
Mm. Oh, I think they've certainly come far from where they were, almost the token jumpers. I think, was it the Dreamtime game, probably Richmond and Essendon at first had a crack of it a couple of years ago, and since then, I know we'll probably see it down this time last year, having a look at some that was almost like a marketing department given five minutes to come up with um, for some teams. But I, I think going through all of them now, um, they've all had a decent crack. They've probably all got some special meaning, you know, designed probably by um, Indigenous you know, players or representatives or people involved through the club. I know the Freo one um, was partly designed by Roger Hayden, one of our past players. And once you actually understand the meaning of what's in them, it's actually um, really good and well thought. So I think they've done a fantastic job and, and, and some of them can almost pass off as a, a home and away and jumper for probably some, you know, out of suburban footy team. Yeah, I, I quite like. Uh, I think my favourite one is definitely Adelaide's jumper. It's 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 bright, it's vibrant. It pretty much represents everything you'd expect from an indigenous uh, organisation. Uh, I'm not not as not as sold on, on Brisbane's as as Messenger's. Carlton's is one of my favourites. Uh, not just because it's a Carlton jumper, but the design is well, it's it's a great design. I think. Uh, Collingwood. It's a lot better than the um, pale blue one that Carlton have. <laughs> mm. Collingwood's I can take or leave, really. It's, I mean, really it just looks like a jumper that they've whacked a magpie in the front of. And not really an, a, an Aboriginal painting-style magpie either. It's just a magpie, really. So, um, uh, Essendon's jumper, yeah. Frio's jumper I like. Um, it, it is very... I think it's under. It's going to be underrated, but... I do like Frio's jumper. In fact, that would make a very nice jumper to wear if you're a suburban club, I reckon. Geelong's jumper is great. It really is. It's well designed. It's beautiful. Uh, it looks beautiful, actually. The Geelong jumper was designed by Nathan Jakura, former cat and bulldog. Now, GWS's jumper, I don't really? think... I, I, we talked about this before the podcast, but I, I really think having the big G across the front wasn't necessary. I think they're the only club with that shade of orange... Um, they could have, and they could have got away with that. Even if the G had been more stylized into like a boomerang or something, I, don't, I, I just, I think they blew it by putting the big G on it. I, I would actually, well, it, it, look, it is an improvement on their last design, which was utter shite. Um, so this is slightly better. Um, the Gold Coast one is a pass, but just about that's about it. Yeah, but the GWS, no, I'm not thrilled with Hawthorns. Enough said. Melbourne did all right. Melbourne's is all right, do we think? You're going to design almost makes it look a bit Maori? Yeah. The significance yeah, of that design, but it almost yeah. looks a bit Maori with I'm, not, I'm not sure if and... it's not just the cut and paste job around the guy as well, though. He's, uh, mm. The whole picture <laughs> just looks too dark for mine. And, and it's got, and they seem to have the Tiwi Island flag on, and nobody else oh, does, yeah. which is interesting. North Melbourne's is a bit eh. Yeah, North I Melbourne. I think their last one was actually much better than that. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah. Ports is okay. And that was designed by... That was another one that was designed by a player. And I'm trying to think who it was. It might even be a current player who's designed that one at Port. Don't, yes. I like Richmond's one. I, I I am a big fan of that one. That's good. I, I love the Bulldogs one. I think that really does represent uh, everything there is to represent about the Indigenous round. It's probably my second mm. favourite of the lot. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to be the um, I'm going to be the um, the contrarian there. I actually don't like the Bulldogs one at all. Really, I think it's too busy. Oh, it's way too busy. Way too mm. busy. I just no. I'm not not a fan. Um, Sydney had have done a much better job. Their last effort was pretty terrible, and that's an improvement. 
St Kilda's done an okay job. I think that's actually West Coast's jumper from last year. Yeah, same one as last year's for West Coast. And I'm not a fan of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's all right. I don't mind. I don't mind it. But look, the the the, the designs are actually as a group. They're actually probably the best group I've seen. I think as a collective. But um, yes, Hawthorne. Fortunately, if Hawthorne had kept with their 2015 Indigenous jumper, they'd have done. Anyway, oh well. Now let's just hope that with these new jumpers out there, that there's no clashes. I know there's. Um, they've obviously thought about <coughs> home and away and who's playing who. But you think with these fancy designs, you won't get clashes out in the field. Well, I tell you what, the one the one upside of the Hawthorne jumper, because they'll wear it this weekend, they're in Brisbane, it will spare us another appearance of the Power Ranger jumper. Mm. Uh, Richmond's is yellow and black because they're the away team for Dream at the G, Dreamtime at the G. Um, so, yes, I think they have made allowance for that by the looks of things. And obviously Porter on the road because theirs is white. Yeah. No Power Rangers. Moving on to the next subject. Seppo's going to tell us what happened to Frio this year. <laughs> well, well, after... But first, just... but first, Messenger's going to tell us what happened to Frio this year. Fremantle have... Um, well, initially I heard it was all Hawthorne's fault because they hired David Hale and Brink Guerra. And, of course, the media couldn't possibly blame Ross Lyon, the best coach in the AFL. So they blamed his assistants. He's Haw- they got all Hawthorne all over them. Well, they're still losing. So, actually, you know what? I have no idea what's happened to them. It's the same bloke of pl- group of players who've gone to prelim finals or grand finals, and uh, and they suck now. Isn't that sad? Uh, well, perhaps uh, Seppo can give us a little bit more of a professional explanation. That was a v- <laughs> hey. That was as professional as all get out. Yeah. Alright, well uh, from what oh, I've noticed, being away oh, no. for the first eight eight rounds of the year um, I've obviously uh, been absent for most of the carnage that's occurred and obviously a lot of it losing a lot of players um, but you could see right from round one uh, I know we had three wins in the pre-season cup that I did witness but everyone was a bit uh, not convinced by our game plan that everyone was talking pre-season about a new game plan and obviously a lot of shake-up in the coach's box with not only Hale and Guerra, but Anthony Rock coming on board and a lot of positional changes. We lost Lloyd um, to Geelong and we lost Kirk as well. So there's been a couple of changes in there that are probably having more of an effect on the field that people think. And it's probably not Ross Lyon's fault, but I think um, what we've seen now is the the game plan that we've tried to implement um, has probably caused a bit of confusion. And I think even just recently in the last week, Ross has probably admitted there's going to be some changes in the coaches' box. And I think removing one of the line coaches and putting them down to development coaches so it probably means that there's something not going right in the uh, Who, who did they uh, move to development coach? Who they haven't that? done it yet, but I don't know. I'm thinking it might be Anthony Rock, the uh, the new guy. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't oh. know if it's one of the Hawks, Hawks guys or um, the ex-Hawks. Oh. And everyone thought... Getting guys like Guerra and Hale was going to, well, you know, fix our kicking. But I actually had a look at the, our stats um, for kicking efficiency for all our players this year compared to last. There's probably only about three players that have actually increased their kicking efficiency. All the rest have gone backwards. So, so this and it, the, the other the other possibility that does occur here, Seppo, is that, and this is probably true of Hawthorne to some extent, is that you didn't get better 
and everybody else did. And now they've gone, and they sort of, you sort of, you know, one minute they are five metres behind you, and the next minute they're five metres ahead of you. And that just happens. That just, you know, it's it's not a particularly young squad, is it? Mm. Well, at the start of the season, I think we had the second oldest list behind North, North. Well, I think. Yeah, North and I think North and Hawthorne are the two oldest lists. Yeah. So in North, terms of most... age, everyone says we had the oldest oldest list, and it's going to be a fault. You know, everyone's slowing down, but we're already sort of making changes. I don't think it's the personnel. You know, we've lost huge amounts of experience, like with Fife and Sandy and Johnson. You can just see what our backline and midfield is is different. It's not operating the same way it was last year. So we, I, I think it's mostly in the game plan while we're 0 and 8, and we've really just lost it for quarters at a time. You know, we've been in most games. I think we're probably the best team to be sitting, you know, at 0 and 9 and, you know, facing 0 and 10 this week. Um, I, since I've came back and watched two games against um, Hawthorne and then Richmond, you know, we haven't played too badly. Um but yeah, you can just see we're missing a bit of experience and personnel. I think I counted up our injury list currently, and if Mundy and Hill don't come up for our game, we've got over a thousand games of experience um, on our injury list there that would slot straight into our best twenty-two. So we've actually lost quite a bit, and even out of that is our leadership group. You know, if we don't get Mundy up, Pav and Spur are our only two leadership group members that are, are actually playing at the moment. So it's who's, um, who's, definitely hit us. Who's Owen playing this week? Um, Owen's playing Saints at Etihad on Saturday. That would so, be a... Oh, you know, oh, uh, anyway, we'll save I it for Saints, the I watched Saints. They weren't convincing against Essendon last week, but it, the way they've been playing early in the season probably means they would trample all over us. But I think if we get the right players back and we if we can click for four quarters and not have a slip up, um, we're a chance to get rid of Owen, which I would love. Um, but it's a real shame that we've just had, you know, some young players bled into the team and, you know, the coaches said it, you know, in this position, we've got to start trying kids out and we've thrown, you know, Lockie Weller, Connor Blakely, Alex Pierce has sort of slotted himself down back and unfortunately just this round we've actually lost Alex Pierce to a broken fibula so he's gone for the season and he's, that really <laughs> hurts a lot of Freer fans because he was our one shining light for the season where a lot of things have gone, you know, bad. He was rock solid in defence and looking to replace, um, you know, Luke McFarlane. And, and, and for many clubs, looking for that rare key position, young player that just helps us straighten up. To lose that just is going to hurt us for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, it's at the stage now that you, you can't really call it tanking because I, I think the players are trying their hardest and the coaches are trying their hardest to make something work because it's now to the point of, for you know, player morale, you can't let it drop, and for fans and and membership and all these other things, you can't just keep on going with something. They've got to try and change something up to you know be able to make the players you know be able to play for four quarters, get a game plan going. I don't even care if it reverts back to you know what we were doing last year, but something just to you know get some cohesion and consistency and momentum back because it just sounds like over the preseason they've been chopping and changing and. Trying to trying to implement you know maybe a Hawthorne style game plan or something brand new that the players just weren't you know ready for it or you know just going to take some time because I think it even happened to the Eagles a couple of years ago probably when uh, Simpson came in so it's going to take time but I just hope we can accelerate it now. Seppo is uh, Ross Lyon the man to take you forward? Oh, definitely. The fact that you know he's just the start of this season signed up to twenty twenty so. 
there's no point everyone you know putting the pressure on him because I think he's the right man. And and when you look at what's probably available out there in the market, there's probably not too many people you'd want at the top of your um, sort of coaching structure. I think it's probably the the few underneath him that probably needs a shake up, and I think they've identified that. So I'm quite happy for Ross to be there for the rebuild and sort of prove all those you know those saners and the haters that reckon that Ross just goes from, you know, side to side looking for a list that's ready to go. I think he's capable of, you know, going through these changes and hopefully he gets the right type of people around him to be able to, you know, send us forward because there's probably not much pressure on him. There's probably pressure on him to get not the players right but the coaching structure right this year. So you don't think, like, uh, like Brett Ratton's been taught recently about going to Brisbane. You, you don't think he'd make any difference in Perth? Really? <laughs> Brett Ratton over Lyon? Probably not. No, I think sometimes a changing coach is good, um, and I think it rejuvenates a stagnant group. I think I think Freo are gone. Oh, I think oh. they're probably missing someone like you know Brett Kirk that, that, that would have provided a lot of you know zen for the players and <laughs> a no, bit of guidance. They're probably not, missing some yeah. people underneath Ross. Freo's got enough talent on their list now that if they either get fit or pick up somebody good in either the draft or in free agency or in the trading, that they can bounce back pretty quickly. Mm. And and so from that point of view, I mean, the first thing is you wouldn't get rid of him and then end up paying out four years of a con- another of a contract, which, I mean, he could be on a million. I mean, you know, my, they're rich, but they're not that rich. And And again, you know, that's the thing. If you get rid of him, who do you end up with? Do you end up with either a retread, and I'm not sure Ratton's heart's in it, to be honest, or do you end up with someone who, you know, somebody who's brand new to the job, and then, you know, you don't, they're a completely um, unknown quantity. The other reason I mentioned Ratton is because he's the only real candidate that's out there at the moment that could do the job, I think. Mm. I don't. I, I honestly, listening to what he has had to say about. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, don't, you know, I, I don't. I just. I don't think to. he's heart's in it at the no. moment, and I don't think he'd be uprooting himself to move to to Perth. No, I. Th- I think. Um, I think his son's death might have had a bit to play in that. No, absolutely, it did. Yeah, as you'd expect. Yeah, um, but yeah, you pr- is there any other? I mean, Stuart Jew's gone for a few jobs. Um, I'm sure there are some assistants out there who would do it, but I don't think there's anybody ready-made unless, yeah. of course, they turn their lonely eyes to Mick Malthouse. Mm, no way. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> I, I think after the Carlton experience, I think Malthouse's coaching career is pretty much in the in the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. So it should be. Anyway, let's move on. Um, just going back briefly to the uh, jumpers thing, uh, the Age is reporting that there is a bit of a row over the Bulldogs jumper. Uh, apparently the people that design the jumper are refusing to license the design to the AFL. Uh, the AFL ha- is apparently just sent them a standard agreement where they don't get any financial compensation Ooh. Uh, for the design and the designers don't believe and justify we so that that's fair. So um, apparently that's going to be negotiated out, but there is a small amount of controversy there. Gavin Wanganine apparently designed uh, the... the uh, the Essendon jumper, I think. Adam oh, Goods, the Essendon one. Adam Good's mother designed the Swans jumper, oh, and uh, Eddie Betts' aunt designed the Adelaide jumper. Oh. Uh, Richmond's jumper was designed by apparently designed by seventeen-year-old Patricia McKean, with the money from that going to the club's uh, Aboriginal Corin Gamaji Institute. Oh, 
So there you go. Mm. Right, on to the latter. And at the end of round nine, North Melbourne remained undefeated at the top after a very handy win over Carlton. Uh, Geelong coming in at seven and two. They've got Carlton this week. Uh, <laughs> the Giants staying strong in third uh, on percentage, uh, but on the same number of games as Geelong. The Swans also on seven and two up there uh, with North this week. Probably the game of the round. Uh, the Bulldogs at nine and uh, at six and three with Collingwood coming up this week. West Coast also six and three. Hawthorne six and three, and probably the only contenders really left there: Adelaide in eighth, Melbourne in ninth, both on five and four. Uh, Adelaide, of course, facing GWS this week in what should also be a cracking game. Mm. That at Adelaide Oval, so we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, Bringing up the bottom parts of the ladder, of course, uh, Collingwood at four and five, Port at four and five, Carlton at four and five. Uh, you'd have to say their chances of making the finals are pretty remote, even though they are only a game outside the eight at the moment. No, they, most... they're every shot. They're every shot. How many more wins? So four and five. They need twelve. So they'd need to go what eight and eight and five? Yeah, to make the finals. That's not undoable. That's that's doable. Well, it really depends on how Adelaide go, doesn't it, really? Yeah, probably. I mean, there are only two games behind the Bulldogs, West Coast and Hawthorne, so anything's possible. I mean, it is only round nine, well, round ten, I suppose. Uh, St Kilda, three and six. Richmond, three and six. uh, Having won on the weekend handily over over, um, someone. Owen. Over Owen. Over Freeman, that's right. Gold Coast, three and six. And really showing no signs of improving there. They've got West Coast this week. Uh, Brisbane one and eight, uh, Essendon one and eight, and of course holding up the rest of the ladder. Like oh, and nine, like, like Atlas oh, holding up the earth. Fremantle Norton nine with St Kilda and Melbourne this weekend. So Owen. that's 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 uh, <laughs> going to be interesting. If we turn our attentions to the fixture uh, for round 10 and Friday night footy, the founders of uh, of, uh, of Friday night footy finally get another crack at it. Uh, Sydney play North Melbourne at the SCG in uh, what is pretty close to being the match of the round, if not the match of the round. Messenger, who's going to win this? I think on Sunday night we will be saying flag favourites, Sydney Swans. I, I, they are good. Are, are they, they too reliant on Buddy though, Miss? Um, or doesn't it matter is, if even if they are? No, it does matter. It does matter. Um, I don't believe they're too reliant on him, uh, and I do think they've got some other options should they require it. And their midfield does kick a fair few goals, and on the SCG, that that matters. Um, no, I don't think they're too reliant. The only thing, and we talked about this last week, their midfield are doing a much better job of defending than they have in the last couple of seasons. If they do give way, I do think Grundy and Richards are a year older and they looked past it two years ago. And uh, I think they're being saved by a pretty, pretty good midfield outfit. But I think they'll beat North. And uh, I think going in too top-heavy on a small ground is not going to help them. And I predict... A Swans victory. Hmm. Saturday afternoon, Seppo, the Lions have Hawthorne at the Gabba. 
what are, what are you expecting from this? Well, isn't this a, a rare event for you, Wookie, to have the Hawks going up to the Gabba? It's one of those fixes that hasn't happened in eight or nine uh, years, I think. Eight years. Eight years. Was the last time 2008 we was yeah. the last time we went. In fact, Clinton Young, the last time we were up there, Clinton Young kicked a running goal from about 65 metres out. That's how long ago. Clinton Young was actually an AFL footballer and yeah. a good one. Mm. Uh, are yes. Brisbane any chance of winning this, uh, Seppo? Absolutely not. This is a vert your eyes category. Um, I think the Hawks, even though they haven't been up there for a while, real push them after you know a stinging loss last Friday night. Um, I think they're going to come out and they should have a pretty full strength side. Um, I'm yep. not sure who you're getting back this week. Messi, Rioli, uh, and some others are good to go. I don't think anyone's coming back. How how no, I think... co- sorry? How close is Lepich to being fired at this point? Do you think? It depends on how much money Brisbane have in the bank. Well, they've got if none. They've got well, none. Well, then, then, he's, then he's no chance of getting fired because they can't afford to pay him out and hire another coach. It's never stopped a club before. Well, you know, unless the AFL are willing to bank. How many years has Lepich got in his contract? Because I think, didn't they just renew him? I think they, I think they might have, actually. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I think as soon as he's got a couple of all to go, they'll stick around with Lepich for a while. But yeah, that's sad. He won't case, go this year. Mm. He won't go this year. I mean, they're just not very good. That's the problem. Mm. No, they've got great some injuries and stuff as well, I think. So yeah, they've got a good midfield, but you know their back line's a bit, bit wobbly, and and Scott Walker's their best forward. So what are you going to do? Not much, apparently. No. Uh, Saturday afternoon in the Northern Territory at Traeger Park in Alice Springs, uh, Melbourne will play Port Adelaide there. Uh, in mm. the, I think it's the only ground in the AFL that has a tree on the freaking boundary line, but. Uh, Mm. Mess, um, who's going to win this? I suspect Port will win this just because it's the sort of game that Melbourne loses. Mm. It's a different uh, Melbourne, though, now. It's it is not. a different Melbourne, though. It's not really a different Melbourne. It's it's still... It's a it's an enhanced version of same old, same old. I Yes, I'm slightly leaning towards Port, but I think, really, Port are... You know, if they don't win this, they, they're... If you want to worry about who might get sacked, we're not talking about Justin Lepich, Ken Hinckley. Really? I think he's they doing gone, just enough to hold on. They the have gone absolutely nowhere since that prelim loss. Nowhere fast. That's true. And I think for a side that had aspirations to be a premiership contender 12 months ago, and these guys are fighting for the eight... Um, and they've got a pretty decent list, and they've invested in some pretty good talent. I reckon by the in a few weeks, if Port don't turn it round, I think the questions will be about Ken Hinckley. Mm. So uh, Saturday evening, St Kilda have got Fremantle at Etihad Stadium. Um, oh my Sabo. god! Um, can Frio get a win here? If Frio get it right, the selection table and the players are fit. So if we can get Monday in. Hill back in the side, and Barlow's had a cracker in the waffle. We get a strong side in. We don't pick too many uh, spuds and slow players because the Saints are playing some quick footy. We've got some issues down back because of... uh, um, Who have they got down there? Um, Key forwards now. They're probably going to stretch us in the back line. Um, We really have to keep it out of their forward line because it's where they'll kill us. Or it could be, you know, a 40 or 50 point win to the Saints if we sort of drop our heads, but... If we get some of our players back, and thank God Dawson got off um, from that little 
stray elbow that hit in the chest of uh, that Richmond player. Um, we're actually looking okay if we can get everyone through fitness test-wise, and this might be the first chance of us getting a win. So um, I'm predicting a, <laughs> a one or two goal win to Frio in a, a narrow scrape through messy game. Um, I'm not convinced by the Saints. They looked good early on in the year, and you know they got close to North, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And against Essendon, they only really... I think Essendon were even in front or really pushed them last week. It was only the last quarter. I think Essendon ran out of steam that Saints won. So it shows they're probably not as good as everyone probably early, had them early rated. So I think Freo are a chance. The age reporting, Pavlich in doubt for the weekend? Yeah, it shouldn't be right. He just had a rest two weeks ago. Yeah. I know, oh, you're, oh, I know oh. you're in the cheer squad there, Seppo. Yep. And uh, you've been out banner making tonight. Does the banner have something suitably inspirational on it? Oh, something for Indigenous round. So it doesn't say, please, please, please win for the love of God. Because <laughs> that's what I'd no, be putting on it at we, this point. we did come up with a funny slogan with Owen in it, but um, no, we wouldn't be able to pass that through no, the club. No, the, so the club wouldn't allow it. I'd just like to say I am convinced by St Kilda, but I'm convinced they're no good. <laughs> and and this, is, this would be the most St Kilda-ish of St Kilda things to do would be to lose. As Tom, uh, to paraphrase Tom Hafey, there's nothing more St Kildary than a St Kilda, and I think they, I think, I think Owen will be uh, no more by the end of the weekend. Moving on to the Dreamtime game Saturday night, Essendon playing at Richmond at the MCG. In well, a game that in previous years has probably been of massive interest. This year, maybe less so, given the form of both sides. Uh, Mess, who's going to win this one? Well, I mean, in, in, in tribute to the father of Aboriginal football, Kevin Sheedy, um, well, you know, Richmond had a good win. Richmond, look, Richmond should win this. Richmond should, should win this. Having said that, Essendon have been unreasonably perky over the last few weeks, and anything's possible. I'm going to say Richmond, but... For comedic, wouldn't it be comedic value if Essendon got up? Because not only would they win, and Richmond, all the Richmond fans would set themselves on fire. Essendon's uh, draft prospects would be reduced by them winning. Uh, John Walsold's 500th game as a player and coach this weekend. So congr- that's, that's, congratulations to him. That's that's thrilling. That's great for John. Yes. <laughs> so, that's great. Just, just thought it was uh, interesting. Yes. Uh, the other game Saturday night, Adelaide have GWS in what is probably the second best match of second the round. Second match of the round. Uh, Adelaide Oval uh, makes this a very interesting game for GWS. Uh, Seppo? Well, I'm uh, really impressed with Giants at the moment, the way they're going. And even though it's been a tough ask for most sides that have come over to Adelaide Oval to play both Adelaide and Port recently... I think after seeing what Geelong did there a couple of weeks ago, I think the Giants are certainly capable of running with Adelaide, and I know they'll probably want to uh, drown the crowd out early because it's the key when you're playing over there. And the, um, well, I think the late last year, I think uh, Giants beat Adelaide, um, probably middle of last year, I think. So they've got one up on them before, and that's probably when they weren't as good now. So and that's when they had Dangerfield. So now without them, the midfield's not looking good. Um, Adelaide, I think the Giants are going to have it over them and it's just going to be pure midfield dominance. 
if um, I mean the Giants have beaten so far this year Hawthorne, Geelong, and the Bulldogs of their big scalps all at home. If they can get this one on the road, we can all just go to the pub together now. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you know, I think we can all yeah. They just, start putting these away wins up against. Yeah, the that's the next stage when they start winning big ones on the road. Well, they beat three at home, and that early on in the season was. Probably no, we big said big ones. Sepo, big, big, Sepo, we said big, <laughs> big wins. Big ones. All right. <laughs> We're not talking about you know, little gimme games like that. I think, about... I think earlier in the season, before it became known just how bad Frio were, it was an achievement. But uh, now, now it's you know having seen the rest of their season, it's just like oh, well. yeah, Owen, yeah, <laughs> just don't pick game. on that. Don't pick on Owen. Sunday uh, afternoon, Carlton have got Geelong at Eddie Had Stadium. Uh, Carlton uh-oh. coming off uh, a, a bad loss, actually. Given uh, given their recent form, but it was probably one of those games that they were going. I predicted that they would lose it, to be honest, um, and I predicted that they would lose this game against Geelong on the weekend on the way to heading to the bye six and six. You you're nostril darmus because they they they're going to get another caning, um, and it'll be a game in which um, you know your children should be not encouraged to watch. Uh, Wookie, will Jacob Wiedering be playing? The Winterbot? I, I expect he will be. Yeah, did, he, did you hear his comments during the week about the upcoming game with uh, Geelong? No, no, I didn't. Hey, it was very interesting. They asked me, I said, Jacob, Wiedering, you must be very excited about the upcoming game against the Cats this weekend. I uh, cannot wait to play a team that I've respected <laughs> and watched uh, for so many years. Um, there's some tremendous talent in that Geelong team, and we will have our were cut out for us getting the four points. Or as I like to say, quattro punt, just like on Eurovision. <laughs> Look, at, at this stage, I expect uh, Carlton to beat the signs around them that they're supposed to beat, uh, but they're not going to shock anyone inside the eight at this point. Ge- Geelong's not that team. No, that's right. they come close. Yeah, I know Carlton are probably worse a couple of years ago, but... They did get close, and it wasn't there a game last year where they came within a kick of some dodgy umpiring decision. I think Carlton got was a push in the back or something like that that sort of didn't go their way. I know they've been quite competitive against Geelong last couple of years. They've been quite competitive all year this year as well, but uh, they're having trouble scoring goals, and it's putting pressure on the midfield. They're fumbling the ball a lot, which means the good sides are turning it over, and we're just... Uh, I think Geelong are just going to be too too good for us this weekend. Do you know what they you know what uh, Carlton really lack is a elusive um, small forward. Eddie Betts hasn't been Shorts hasn't been filled since he's left. And, uh, yeah. There's a guy he just they, they need someone like that garlic guy at Melbourne. He's great. Yeah, yeah, or that Kennedy guy at West Coast. You know, I know. Yeah, I've heard them all. And yeah. now Collingwood have got the Western Bulldogs on Sunday afternoon. At the MCG, shouldn't be a too bad a game if Collingwood can keep playing the way they did last week. Yeah, but I they think won't. Collingwood actually a chance. Oh, I know it's at the MCG, and Bulldogs finally got a result at the um, MCG last time they played there. I can't remember who it was against, but I, I think Collingwood now, after showing what they did against Geelong, have the capability to beat Bulldogs. And Bulldogs looked a bit shaky against Giants last week, so this is. Probably an even money game for me. Um, really, if Bulldogs are going to be a top four contender this year, they should win um, and win at the MCG. But oh, I think Collingwood are every chance. Travis no. Cloak apparently fed up with playing in the VFL, by the way, if you're wondering. 
Um, uh, just, just, um, just quietly, the Bulldogs are going to absolutely bollocks these guys. They're going to smash them. They're going to return and, with uh, vengeance. They're going to look at the sky and do it for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to. This is they, no. They, they're they're going to they're going to do some do of a massive injury. All righty. In the final game for the round is West Coast and. Gold Coast and, uh, in Perth. <laughs> and, uh, so this, this should be a, a fantastic uh, competitive game. And, sorry, uh, is sorry. <laughs> no, no. Let, let's look. Let's we can't sugarcoat this. St Kilda kicked. How many goals did St Kilda kick last when they went over to play West Coast? They kicked, they kicked three eleven. Yeah, three eleven. I reckon. You reckon Gold Coast would be lucky the, to what's score. What's the under over? What's the under over on Gold Coast score in points for this game? I reckon if they get to forty five, it will be a miracle. Yeah, no. A miracle. If you don't West... put any stock into the fact that uh, Gaff None. might wish for West Coast, and then Suns are finally getting May and um, Ablett and Hall and some of these guys back, and won't make any ounce of a difference. They, None. They, they did you think the West free... Coast downhill scares? There's West Coast. This is for flat track bullies. This is the flattest of flat tracks they will ever. <laughs> this is like Mark Taylor batting on that feather bed in Pakistan. Oh, this is the yeah. flattest of flat tracks. It couldn't get flatter. There's nothing. Can, can it even kick fifteen? Oh, look, flat you know track what? bully. You know it, it could. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mark LaCroix might even discover he's an AFL footballer again. <laughs> but let me tell you, Gold Coast. They are terrible. They are not very good at professional football and it is going to be a rout. So while you're cooking your Sunday roast you want to watch a horror movie flick to 504 kids then you'll see some pain, then you'll see some brutality. Alright. Just before we start to wrap up uh, the age reporting Hawthorne's Brad Hill has been charged with assault messenger uh, apparently had an altercation It, at it a wasn't with me <coughs> Culture. Uh, had, had, had an... Uh... <laughs> Had, had an, uh, an alleged altercation at a suburban nightclub during the season. Uh, the midfielder was charged on Tuesday after a police investigation of the incident at Narra Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, left a 21-year-old man with facial injuries. You know any of these? No, it wasn't me hit, so no. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, he will. The courts will deal with him in due course. Uh, what can I say? Kevin. Do we? I guess the the impetus here is to say, well, somebody has to punish him now because if we don't punish him now, then you know what will what will the children think? And to be honest, what's more important, him facing penalty in front of a court, or him getting a fine from his football club? Oh, it's the fine from the football club, isn't it? Well, apparently so. I mean, the, the <laughs> it goes magistrates' court, federal court, high court, AFL. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bartlett is getting a statue outside the MCG. If you're wondering, if, is it, he's, if not, he's in he, the, any he's, more insufferable, isn't he going to be more, even more insufferable now? He's got a bloody statue in front of the MCG. Notably, his statue doesn't depict him; won't depict him in the handball position. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's um, so. Couldn't they? Who couldn't they have picked someone else? Couldn't they have picked someone else? Uh, That's been beat mean. What about... Isn't there a Carlton player they could have picked? 
I don't know. No. A former West Coast well, player. Jones. A former West Coast player, Daniel Kerr, pled guilty in court on Tuesday to breaching a VRO uh, against his former partner by sending her two text messages, apparently. So he was. I uh, hope West Coast have suspended him and given him a hefty fine to send a message to the kids. Who, who knows? Who knows? Yes. Uh, Silverioli insists the Hawks can still win the flag, apparently. Can. Uh, so good, good, good for him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not really much else uh, happening news-wise that I can see that's worth we discussing. Did, we did miss one milestone out of all that list. Did we? Uh, did we? Jordan, Jordan Lewis, two hundred and fifty games this weekend. Jordan Lewis, just was, the, oh really? Just, just the lazy two hundred and fifty and four flags. Well, that's 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 not a bad effort, I suppose. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, not not bad. Not not as big as Clancy Pierce rocking up a uh, hundred games for Freo and being the first player wearing the number forty six to knock up a hundred. That's a pretty uh, big milestone. Beats and the first effort. And the first male to be called Clancy to actually play football. Mm. Yes, yes, and not be in a banjo Patterson poem. Yes, uh, <laughs> or or a dress. Yes. Um, so look, guys. I think that's it for the round. What What are you looking forward to the most from the weekend? Me getting rid of Owen. <laughs> getting rid of Owen. I, it, I I I think I'll have to be. I think I'll have to watch the Owen game because I think we'll. Some a little bit of me wants to see Owen turn ten, but I yeah, also yeah. you know I enjoy the uh, the yes. Nothing more St Kilderish than St Kilda though. Yes, I, I think the North game on Friday night is going to be the one to watch. GWS Adelaide. I mean, there's there's some good footy to be seen on the weekend. There's going to be some bad footy on the weekend as well. Oh, there's going to be some horrible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, oh. yeah, like like you guys, I think the Frio game's the one to watch. And uh, big question is though, Friday night, if North do beat Sydney up there, will people take North Melbourne serious? No. At the moment, it looks like not many people actually rating. They're just almost saying, like, you're not the best percentage there in a similar position to where Freo were last year. They were on an undefeated run and then started dropping games. So, the thing will about North, North start Melbourne, to do what Freo are doing? The thing about North, I mean, North have had a so-so fixture. They've beaten some not-so-good sides. They have had a couple of good... I mean, they've beaten Adelaide in Melbourne in their first week. But the truth is that they look at them and they say, this is the team that gets to prelim finals and chokes like dogs. That's, they do. And, and nobody's going to believe that they're any good until they're in the grand final. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and, that's, and I'm not trying to be mean to North Melbourne supporters because, you know, you know we've got all week to be mean to North Melbourne supporters. <laughs> but that's the truth. Is they look at them and say, well, we've seen this show before. We've seen you beat all these easy beats. We've seen you win big home and away games. Win a bloody prelim, and then we'll believe you. And that's that's you know that's the bar for them this year. That's right. It's it's the next step. You've got to be yeah. able to take that next step, or no one's ever going to take you seriously. A bit it. like a bit like Frio winning the grand final. Mm. Yeah, we'll get there one day. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that's about it for the weekend, guys. Thank you very much, Seppo, for coming out of hiding before you disappear back into it again. No worries. It was a great hiatus, and. Um... If we continue on this trend, maybe I'm due to take another one. So brave, Seppo, so brave. <laughs> and as always, Messenger, a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. I know you all missed me. I know it. And uh, I, of course, have been the Wookiee. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes if you haven't already. 
and also on the Big Footy uh, website as well as YouTube. And uh, we will see you all on the forums. Done. Are we off the air?